This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Faye. Welcome to your Thursday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 22nd day of July, and I am absolutely smitten that you have logged on today. And again, please subscribe, like, review, all that stuff. We've got an awesome show for you today. It's our Throwback Thursday edition. So in addition to all the stuff that we usually get to, I'm going to throw you back to a couple of interviews from, oh, I want to say one was a year ago and one was about three years ago now. I'm going to tell you one of the interviews right now, and then I'm going to save the introduction to the second one for when we get to that topic. We are going to talk wrestling today, and we are going to talk baseball today, and that is not up for discussion. So if you like those two things, keep it locked. If you don't, Come on, man. Broaden your horizons. I think there's going to be something special here today. I've got a circle of friends that I usually put off because I'm interviewing, you know, this guy or that guy or this lady or that lady. And every once in a while, I realize that some of the best stuff that I've ever heard comes from the guys that I usually hang around with. So two, and this is going to sound bizarre, but two of my friends are going to stop by the sports bar today and we're going to talk wrestling. (laughs) It's. Let me put it to you this way. Two very unique personalities. Uh, Mike and Dave are going to stop by the sports bar, and we're going to chew the fat on the WWE. We're going to get into some of the greats of all time. We're going to get into their favorite WrestleMania moment. And, uh, again, we've had a lot of wrestling on this show this week for obvious reasons. I've, along with Chris Perry, created a wrestling company, a promotion. We got a lot of news on that on the horizon, but for now, we're going to leave it at that. NEW, Nation Extreme Wrestling, if you're listening. And uh, again, a secondary interview just minutes from now. But first, let me get you to that one story, the one thing that rises above everybody else. Let me get you to the lead. We've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you. Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. So Major League Baseball is now past the All-Star game. We're finding out the Toronto Blue Jays are eventually going to make their way north of the border, and it seems like everything is getting ready for that final push of 65 to 70 games before we find out who is going to the postseason. But if you haven't paid attention to baseball over the last couple of weeks, let me just give you a really quick refresher of what is going on in certain places along the American League storylines. First place in the American League Central. It's not Cleveland, it's not Kansas City, Minnesota, or Detroit. It's the Chicago White Sox, who went out and got the aged Tony La Russa. Highly scrutinized for, in addition, some of the stuff off the field that he's been part of, but also because of his age. Now you look to the American League West, the team that is three games better than Oakland, six and a half better than Seattle, ten and a half better than the Angels, the Houston Astros who are in the rearview mirror now of their banging of the drums and pots and pans to try and win World Series. One of the reasons they were able to get through that storm is their manager, the aged Dusty Baker. This is where I think we've got to look through all of the different annals of sport. We talk about the young up-and-comers. We talk about those who have experience at playing the Major League game. But you cannot take experience off of the table as a true X-factor as why certain teams succeed. 
we talk about analytic in baseball. You know who one of the first to introduce analytic to the game of baseball was? Tony LaRussa. Tony LaRussa with the Oakland A's back in the Bash Brothers days. I know you're going to sit there and say, well, syringes helped the Oakland A's. Well, maybe so, but so too did the metrics of the game. And Tony brought those to the forefront with his clipboards and his team that would work around him trying to find any advantage beyond the syringes to win games in the Bay Area. Dusty Baker is one of the nicest guys you'll ever come across. He is our second interview today. You will hear the voice of Dusty Baker and I from a couple of years ago in just a couple of moments time. Why do I want to play that interview for you? Because when you think of what the Houston Astros went through with all of the gate around them, AJ Hinch was relieved of his duties. Their general manager was let go by the Astros and Major League Baseball basically, thanks to the pandemic, was able to weather the storm. Don't get it wrong. Because of that canceled baseball season and the truncated schedule, the Houston Astros got off with much less than a wrist slap. Trust me, it should have been, could have been much worse with fans around Major League Baseball truly showing their ire at the Houston Astros, who in my estimation still to this day deserve an asterisk beside any records that they had over the last couple of years. But Dusty Baker was the perfect hire for the Houston Astros. Why? Because Dusty Baker had been through controversy before. Let's not forget something. He was the guy that was around Barry Bonds when everybody was around Barry Bonds. Whether he was hitting his home runs or whether he was with a throng of reporters who were all trying to find out what was truly, quote-unquote, going on with Barry Bonds and his ability to hit a ball farther than anybody, Dusty Baker was along for that ride as well. So he knew how to control the temperature. He knew how to make sure that they could navigate the waves to get to the shore. And Houston, as a result, 58-39, and 39, they have a run differential of plus 135. They have had their share of injuries, and yet they are still one of the best teams in the American League. There is something to be said for experience. And you look around at baseball right now. Like, here's a list of the current managers, and I'm not going to list off all 30. But when you look around right now at the Rocco Baldelli's with Minnesota, you look at the Mike Matheny's with the Royals, the Alex Cora's and the Boston Red Sox, the Luis Roja with the Mets, the Gabe Kapler's with the Giants. Yes, there's a great new generation of managers that are going to find their way to success at some point. But you cannot take your eye off the fact that Tony La Russa's team is in first place right now, that Dusty Baker's team is in first place right now. Experience counts. Being able to control and navigate the temperature of your clubhouse counts. Here's an interview that I had with Dusty Baker a couple of years ago at the steps of Nat Bailey Stadium, and it's about a 10-minute interview, and we do talk all things baseball, but I want you, by the end of this interview, to understand why Dusty Baker was the perfect choice for the much maligned Houston Astros. I tell you, you had a lovely, lovely town here. I love Vancouver. Isn't Vancouver pretty cool? This isn't oh, yeah. your first time through, though, is it? No, I've been coming here probably on and off for 20 years, I guess, and... Uh, you know, I know, you know, some friends here in the last couple of days I went out to and there was no traffic. I went out to um, hold on in Vancouver. No traffic. No traffic. I went out to Maple Ridge and, and you know, and my friend goes, man, you must have really been speeding. And I said, no, there was no traffic because well, it was uh, a holiday weekend. That's yeah, right. That's beautiful. Plus, oh, I wanted to see where. You. Where Larry Walker grew up. That's right. Oh, yeah. You're in the Burbs, when, by the way. When you go to Maple Ridge, you're yeah, out there. That's out fine, there. man. That was, he was one of my favorite players. 
to play against, even though I didn't like to see him come to the plate very often. Mm-hmm. But uh, to me, he was uh, in that era. He was the second best player behind Barry Bonds to me. And that's really? The, oh yeah, I thought so. Well, I mean, now I'm gonna. You, you've led me to the conversation I have to ask you. I mean, obviously there is a, guy, a bubble guy when it comes to mm-hmm. Cooperstown, the Hall of Fame. We always feel like we're being a little mm-hmm. obvious because he's from our neck of the woods. Well, but I, well, I feel he should be in the Hall of Fame. What do you think's holding him back? Is it just the longevity? Is it the numbers? I don't know. I I really don't know because I don't really know his numbers. But, I mean, you know, some of the criteria is to be amongst the the top couple players of that era Mm -hmm. and uh, how much damage he did during the time he was there. And so, uh, man, he was a heck of a player. I loved him. The common knock is, well, one, he played in Montreal for a portion, so he didn't get a lot of the looks. The other is that he played at Coors Field in the early stages when that was a hitter's paradise. Well, it still is. But, I mean, Nolan Arenado, I mean, he plays there now. And uh, he hits as many home runs out of Coors Field as he does at Coors Field. And to tell you, Larry Walker... It didn't matter where he played because Larry Walker was was a tremendous, tremendous player. I don't know if he's still in the area or not, but who else? Isn't somebody else from uh, Maple Ridge around here too? Morneau is from New Westminster, which is actually only about 25 minutes apart. Okay, now where is Dempster from? Dempster's from a little town called Gibson's, which is if you hop over the water, you don't have to go to the island, but you got to hop over the pond to get to his place. And Gibson's is awesome. Yeah. Gibson's is like home of uh, Elfie's Cabaret, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a little hole in the ground, <laughs> maybe but it's that's awesome. why, Maybe that's why he's so crazy. He is crazy. <laughs> yeah. I just saw him a couple of weeks oh, ago. He got him. inducted into the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Well, he's one of my favorite guys that you know that played for me here, and I spent some time also in Nanaimo, and I spent some time in uh, Tofino a couple of years ago. And he, the, he, the water wasn't quite as warm as they uh, <laughs> no, no, they, and they, they made it sound you, like I know, it was I know. <laughs> <laughs> they make it sound like it's North Hawaii. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ryan, funny story. He grew up here. We knew each other pretty well. And I saw him the other day. I said, "Man, you fixed your teeth." Is that what happens when you get to the majors and you make your big money? Some well, people buy cars and some people fix themselves. Hey, up. man, when you're on TV a lot, you got to have a good grill. You got to have everything. Yeah, and you got to have <laughs> a good haircut. You got to have everything, you know, because people start nitpicking at you. you <laughs> they know? do, man. Yeah. And now, now with HD, especially. Oh, now yeah. Now they can see that pimple on your nose. Oh, I hate that. When you first came into baseball, like right out of the gates. The reason mm-hmm. I ask you this is you're obviously looking at the future of the San Francisco Giants. And, and you know, I'm watching the other players, too. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, just in case you're just like, hey, man, why don't you throw that kid over here in the deal? Uh-huh. And uh, they're trying to hide him. Yes. And, uh, you know, nowadays baseball's changed where back in the day you traded big leaguers for big leaguers. Correct. Now they trade big leaguers for prospects. And uh, especially it could have, be, uh, have been prospects that you wanted to sign but you didn't get to because mm-hmm. they, uh, somebody else drafted him before you. And so you, you might have had this eye on, on this kid for the last five years. You just couldn't get to him. Dusty, the, the worst trade in Blue Jays history, and there's been a few of them, is there was a deal that had R.A. Dickey coming mm-hmm. from the Mets to Toronto oh, yeah. in exchange, and everybody thought it was all about Travis Darno, right. and then that little you know tall kid from Texas that turned out to be Noah Syndergaard. Ooh. And I remember we had just seen Noah Syndergaard here. He had pitched here really? in 2011, and I said, when I heard that deal, I said, oh, my God, don't do that deal. Because if he turns out the way he projects, he had this big six foot four frame, oh, yeah. Texas kid, big Texas, threw a hundred miles an hour, right? And he was kind of the afterthought that was thrown into that conversation. Well, so you, I mean, that speaks to what you're talking about. He wasn't an afterthought by the Mets. He he might have been, oh, they, but they knew because they had oh, guys yeah. like you that were doing the research. Yeah, exactly, and you know, like I try to tell these young kids out here, you never know who's watching you. I mean, you never know. I get out here early for batting practice. I get out early to see. You know, how a guy's uh, attitude is or if he's a good time Charlie or is he serious about his work or does he actually love his work? And so uh, and I got a son that has aspirations to play 
uh, you know, big league ball. He's playing at the University of California. He's going to his sophomore year. And I, I tell him all the time, you never know who's watching. And, and the good scouts don't have the San Francisco Giants hat on. That's they don't true. have a radar <laughs> the gun a lot of times. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I got my fishing hat on. And, and for those who don't know me, that's fine. Then I can just blend in and, uh, and do my thing. Dusty, let's talk a little bit about the fact that you're in Vancouver today. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I mean, you're not even 70 yet. You still got aspirations to do some stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm almost 70. A couple of weeks, a couple of days? No, no, I just turned 69 about uh, two weeks ago. Oh, you're fine. Yeah, I know spring I'm fine. Spring chicken. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not, not a spring chicken, but I'm definitely not as old as they try to make me out to be. When San Francisco approached you mm-hmm. and said that we wanted you to do some stuff with us, mm-hmm. what was the what was the promise that they were just going to let you hang out for a bit, well, or is there a bigger picture for no, you? No, uh, uh, you know we discussed it, and uh, you know they didn't they didn't approach me until uh, March 15th. And Chris Berman, a good friend of mine and a good friend of Brian Savings, had told me that this was going to happen last December. So you know I discarded it. I hadn't heard from anybody, and uh, you know I, I'm in the, I'm a grape grower, which uh, I'm going to Kelowna. Tomorrow to you're you know, in the wine business. Yeah, I'm in the wine business. I have Baker Family Wine. I'm also in energy business, which I have been talking to some some people here, solar and wind and battery backup and any kind of way uh, you know high energy users try to save them some you know some money. You're in the, so, we could use that up here. You know that, right? Well, hey, uh, <laughs> make your pitch. Hi- make Hydro your pitch. Canada might not like me talking <laughs> Who about cares? this. They, you they, know can, what I mean? they charge too much anyway. Well, you know, I, I just like Canada. You know, and I've always liked Canada. My wife's coming up here, actually. Uh, uh, you know, she's a Filipino descent from San Francisco. She's coming up in about 10 days when I go back home. No kidding. And, uh, you know, uh, she, she said that she wanted to. I mean, she knows how I feel about Canada. She feels... Same about Canada. It's a different mindset up here. I've always thought, that, you know, um, you know, racially it was, it was better. Uh, spiritually, you know, the uh, diversity up here is is, is is unbelievable. Nobody messes with anybody. Yeah. And uh, so my wife, she, I mean, she wants to apply for dual citizenship. Well, come on. And you so, know, we accept everybody up here. I know you. It's a do. little different where you're at right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> you grow grapes. The, the, mm-hmm. the guy that I ran into a couple of years ago, who I adore, mm-hmm. grows alfalfa. Mm. Lee Smith, oh, the former Big closer, Smith. Oh. Big Lee, one of the most engaging guys I've oh, ever yeah, come across. Oh yeah, I just saw Big Lee. I didn't know he grew alfalfa. You know, I thought he he walks like a big cattleman or well, something. Well, he was like, I, I said, what do you do? He said, I grow alfalfa down there in Louisiana. Yes, I said, he does. What? Yeah. I, said, I didn't. Know I didn't that. know that either because yeah. I thought he might grow rice or something. Maybe <laughs> be a cattleman or something. He is one of the last true personalities. Right. Well, I you know something. I think that I mean, and I, there's a guy that more than deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know why, what's the criteria, because he has, I don't know, three or 400 uh, uh, saves. You know, he was never on a championship team, I don't think, but that shouldn't be the criteria mm-hmm. for your own personal, you know, accomplishments. And so, like, I'm hoping that the uh, special committee, you know, vote him in here shortly. He told me a story that the trainer had to pack his hat separately from the rest of the players because he had so much residue in his hair. Yeah, well, <laughs> I wish I'd have known that. I would have. I would have. I would have definitely had the umpire checking because right. he was hard on me. Oh, thing. that's unbelievable. He was hard on a lot of guys. Oh, yeah. Do you think that the the criteria for the Hall of Fame is eventually going to have to change? I mean, you look at five- and six-man rotations now. Yeah, I, I can't imagine somebody getting to 300 wins. Well, this is, is going to be tough for guys to get to 200 wins. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be tough for guys to get to 3,000 hits anymore, you know, because, you know, all the platooning that's going on in the game, you know, guys miss and also – fact that it's it's uh, very easy to put a guy on the 10-day DL now where, where before 
See, you didn't want to go on the DL because there was a, enough competition for your job unless you were just a mega player that somebody's going to have your job. And then, uh, you know, how it would happen was, um, you know, you go on the DL and then you're almost ready and then this other kid gets hot. And then the manager tells you, ah, a couple more days, yeah. make sure you're all right. And mm-hmm. then the kid stays hot. And then a couple <laughs> more days, you're out of here. You're traded. The Wally Pip factor. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, before I let you go, and I really appreciate you doing this, I, I do yep. want to get your take on the Toronto Blue Jays. Of course, mm-hmm. we're an affiliate of Toronto. This is an organization that a couple of years ago was right knocking on the oh, door. Oh, they sure were. And then all of a sudden, they're starting to get a little longer in the tooth. They've mm-hmm. got the Calvary coming in the minor leagues. But there's this kind of year or two gap that you can see what would you do in that instance if you were the blue jays right now? well i mean you'd have to you know tell the public that hey man you know we got young players coming you know stick with us because you guys have have had some of the most loyal fans in the world Mm -hmm. i remember you guys were drawing four million with regularity in the 90s uh, yeah in in the 90s and uh boy they had some heck of a teams over there and I'm, i'm i'm pulling for them because they have my former batting coach brooke jacoby is Good a guy. Uh, yes. he's he's a great guy. Yeah, and uh, you know this this kind of led to my demise when 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 they wanted me to get rid of him, and I said no. I mean, there's no way because he hadn't done anything to you know to be gotten rid of. Do you think that's one of the knocks on you? Is you're almost too loyal? Well, I'd rather be too loyal, not loyal enough, because I don't think there's enough loyalty in the world. It's changed a lot, hasn't it? Oh yeah, it's changed an awful lot. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm loyal to people. I'm, I'm loyal to the organization, but I'm also loyal to my people. And uh, seems like now there's more loyalty to money than any other loyalty that there is, and that's that's not how I was raised. There's a lot of guys that probably enjoyed playing for you over the years. Well, I enjoyed them too. I mean, it, it, it was a mutual admiration. You awesome. know, like I didn't ask for a whole bunch of, uh, I didn't have a bunch of rules. My main rules were show up to work on time you know give me all you got you know when you come to work and uh you know don't lie to me because there's a chance that i've already tried what you've already tried <laughs> and i tell them if i didn't try some of my friends have so well what have you tried no that's, uh, that's, that's yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> you don't let you don't tell them all your secrets i love <laughs> oh, that no. well dusty i'm charmed what a all thrill right. to have met you today right, and well, uh, i know you. you got work to do but yeah don't scout us too hard all right no, we're trying no, to keep no, a couple no. things this, in our house hey man well. it's fine of all the interviews that I got to do with the Vancouver Canadians over the years, I would put that one near the top of the list. All right, when we come back, buckle up, because my friends are stopping by the sports bar. You know you got a couple of friends, and you know they're their own person, their own personality? Well, let's just say Mike and Dave have been my friends forever. And now that they know that I'm in the wrestling business, well, let's just say they knew it was coming. Why did they know? Because all we do is talk about wrestling when we're hanging out at the sports bar. I'm going to let you be a fly on the wall for a very unique conversation on the other side. We're going to talk about the Mount Rushmores of the WWE. We're going to talk about our favorite WrestleMania moments, and we're going to get into the industry as a whole. If you're a wrestling fan, you know you got to keep listening to this one. I'm Rob Fay, and this is Sports Bar Radio. As always, brought to you by my friends at Equity Guru. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay, brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen. This segment is brought to you by Arizona Metals, a mineral exploration company working two 100% owned gold, copper, zinc properties in the mining-friendly U.S. state of Arizona. 
Arizona metal stock has been on a strong upward move recently, doubling over the month of May and continuing upwards in June, and investors earlier in the year are seeing a 400% increase on their money. Their Canadian ticker symbol is AMC. For more information on Arizona metals, visit www.equity.guru. Did you lose your seat? That's okay. I have a better one up front. Welcome back to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay. All right, welcome back to Sports Bar Radio. I am Rob Fay. My thanks to everybody at Equity Guru for helping me get this show on the road and to Jay Swing, my brother from another. Thank you so much for always being here to make sure that Sports Bar Radio goes off without a hitch. Well, usually I'm bringing you names, you know, like the stars, be it in sports or entertainment, what have you. It's been a while since we've had a guest, Dusty Baker, because it's Throwback Thursday, and I'm able to pull that out of the vault. Today, I'm going to pull one more conversation out of the vault, but this is like nothing that you have ever heard on this show, maybe not since episode one, but that was a long time ago. We've done a lot of different things, but I wanted this to truly feel like a sports bar experience. So I've got my two friends, Dave and Mike, who I have known, oh gosh, man, since shortly after the creation of Fire, and we are all wrestling nuts. I'm actually, of the three, the least knowledgeable when it comes to wrestling hanging around these guys. So now that I'm in the wrestling business, along with Chris Perry from Equity Guru, thought it was cool to bring this one back out because we do talk about a lot of wrestling things in addition to the Mount Rushmore's, in addition to the WrestleMania moments. These guys know what they want from local wrestling promotions. So I thought it was a great opportunity to pull this one out of the vault. I will say this interview is not safe for work. So if you're listening to this particular interview coming up, don't have it on your speakers. Maybe put your earbuds on because one of our friends, and I won't name who, um, and we've bleeped out as much as we can, but one of our friends likes to uh, speak his truth, if you know what I mean. Okay, here they are, Dave, Mike, and me, chewing the fat on the squared circle. My first question to young Mike was, who would be on your Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers ever? I hate that. Qu- I think that's the worst question ever. It, it it blows my mind that that's actually been carried on because to me it's so ridiculous. There's there's way too many. Um, like I saw some recent ones. I actually I really and I don't even remember what they were. I remember I really liked the Undertaker's Mount Rushmore. He put one out recently. I liked that a lot. I liked the Rocks. I liked Ric Flair's a lot because it included the Undertaker on it. And I, I'm rambling because it's like like I've I've seen this going on for years. I think it's a ridiculous like there's too many. You almost have to contain it. In my mind, it only makes sense to have like Mount Rushmore's for certain decades or certain promotions. Like the idea of okay, well let's like do- how the f- do you leave off? You know, because to me it's like like you have to you have to have Hogan, you have to have Austin. If you don't have those two, it's like get the f- out of my face. And it's like okay, so that how do you, how do you not leave Flair off? You can't leave Flair, so you gotta have Flair. And it's like that would that leaves one slot for like who? Savage, Rock, San Martino, Andre. Would you feel Brett, bad? There's two. There's a way to like no, it. Just but, uh, it doesn't. Okay, okay, that's fine. But would you feel to me, bad? To me, the whole. Hold on a second, and I don't want to interrupt or take over. That's but fine. I gotta say, I have found. I've always found. I feel like this whole Mount Rushmore idea. It's cute, and it's a meme-friendly Twitter thing. 
It does not. It, it's shoehorning. It's it's making a uh, trying to force a round peg for a triangle f***ing deal. It's not wrestling. It isn't meant for that. It's not meant for that. If you if you want to Mount Rushmore of like WWF 1980, I could maybe work with that, or NWA 1980, or WWF 1990. Or, All you right. Know. Well, let's start with that then. If we were to just do Attitude Era, if we were just doing just WWF attitude, slash uh, WWE Attitude Era, who's your f who's your four? I'm gonna make it easy for myself. I'm gonna set aside Vince McMahon because he's so obvious and so. But you know, it's like you'd almost put him. So we'll set Vince aside. But you would consider him. A lot of people would forget about Vince McMahon. That'd be ridiculous. Vince was the he guy. He was the stir. He was the straw that stirred the drink. He was the. I, I think Vince might literally be the greatest on-screen wrestling villain ever. You know, ever. Really? And, and if not, he's on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling villains for sure. Like easily top four, easily top four. You know, in the Attitude um, Era or all in, time? In all, of all time, of all time. So, so I mean, of Attitude Era, Vince he would McMahon be is one of the greatest you know, heels of all time. Absolutely. Absolutely, like on-screen character-wise, are you like abs? Absolutely, I, I think he, if anything, he's overlooked in that department. I, f I feel like a, I don't think that's that hot of a take. I think a lot of people recognize that, but my goodness, yeah, he's uh, of attitude or of any era. So th that's even that's why I bring him up first. I'm like I'd set him aside. Okay, so we got it's Vince. Like he owns wrestling. So we I'd got almost, Vince. You know, Who else? Um, attitude era, M Mount Rushmore. Rock, uh, Austin, Foley, not necessarily in that order, but all f three all day, and neither one of them are up for question. So then it just becomes who's the fourth to me at that point. And it's like, boy, oh boy, do you go Sean? Do you go Hunter? Like, there's, uh, you know, like, there's a lot of wiggle room. Do you, again, like a kind of set aside Vince. I'd probably put. If I'm not, if I break my own rule of leaving Vince off of it, I guess I'd put Vince there. But, you know, without Vince, it's weird. Undertaker's my favorite guy of all time, and he would fit on that Mount Rushmore. But I almost, his, his legacy extends so far beyond the Attitude Era, it seems silly. Okay, to well, let me him. switch gears with you. Mike I'd, almost, I'd almost be willing to spill over into WCW <laughs> and go f Goldberg or some shit, you know? Okay, but so. But probably Hunter. Probably Hunter. <laughs> By the way, if you're listening to. Stray has know? he's totally cool to do the whole half hour by himself, and I'm all for it. I, this will be the last question that I ask. As no, rain me double, in, double. rain me in. I need no, no, reigns. No, 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 I, don't I want need reigns. The only reigns I don't need are Roman reigns. <coughs> but I mean, strictly as a character, you know, not as a, a real human or a family man or whatever. You know, but the the character. I've always okay. I've always been a proponent of killing Roman Reigns off. As nah, a no, I've heard. Okay, let's switch gears. Let's. But talk yeah, about no. Ask your last question. <laughs> let's move off. Of, this is a negative topic. I don't. Let's talk Marty Jannetty. <laughs> well, let's talk to your I friend Dave Moffat. Your deeds. friend, your friend Dave Moffat, off to your right, my left. And I want to ask the same question because I don't want him to besmirch anybody, but I want to go to the Mount Rushmore of wrestlers that could sell a bump. Oh, that could sell. That could sell it. Because I'll tell you this, Triple Steamboat. H, Paul Levesque, Paul Levesque, <laughs> <laughs> he, when, he, when he was at NXT and when he was doing all the stuff in the schools, he would always say that that was the key to becoming a good wrestler is being able to sell it. Who is your Mount Rushmore of sell jobs? Of sell jobs. Okay. Obviously, like, Steamboat's going to be on it, but he's not number one, Rob Fay. Number one, the, the greatest worker 
in ring of all time and the greatest seller that I've seen is Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels could sell any match, anytime, anywhere. Shawn, every single time, would make his opponent look fantastic. And that, to me, is the uh, number one. Is, is, the rock, is the rock on the podium? Okay, I mean... <laughs> The Rock, he wouldn't be in my top four. Your Rushmore scenario, no. Really? No. I don't think there's anybody that sold the stunner better than The Rock. Okay, I mean, yeah, I mean, Kurt Angle sold the stunner better. I mean, yeah. I mean, Triple H sold the stunner better. Because Triple H, Paul Levesque, is the guy that when he teaches these up-and-coming wrestlers, says that is the key to becoming a good wrestler. It's not just about what you can do. It's about how you can sell the other guy's moves. Right. I mean, I love Triple H as much as the next guy. Like, I grew up watching Triple H. But he gets a lot of credit for running NXT and, you know, bringing forth the new talent and everything. I think sometimes people get carried away with the idea that Triple H is the future of wrestling and that Vince is this like dinosaur that doesn't understand wrestling anymore and that Triple H is the way forward and that as soon as Vince dies things are going to be better when Triple H runs things but like you know NXT like is essentially this small pond that Hunter gets to run and that's very different than the the main roster in terms of Raw and Smackdown there's a lot more variables that are going to come into play in terms of what's actually going to work financially on television versus NXT. All right, last question for you both, and I'll, I'll leave this. I'll start with you, David, and then I'll get you to pass the mic over. No, I, no, we'll circle back on this. I want to start with David. I'll finish with you. If you had to rebuild WWE for the ground up, what is the one position that you would fire and rehire to make the brand better? So someone's got to be fired. Well, is it the talent? Is it the writers? Is it the executive? Is it the community relations? Okay, like, no, I, I, I don't mind answering this question. Like, to me, there used to be coherent storylines that they weren't afraid to see out to their fullest extent, right? So much of what the current television product is is just these knee-jerk reactions and what will get ratings, and I feel like you have to have the courage of your convictions when it comes to your, the creative aspect of your storylines. And you need to believe in your guys that can sell that. And as, if you're just going to like sweep the rug from under them as soon as they you know, start to do what you're asking them to do and then move on to the next thing, you're doing a disservice to your talent and you're doing a disservice to your product. If you could rebuild WWE and you could only replace one part of the business? Would it be the talent? Would it be the writers? Would it be the executive? Who would it be? I hate I hate this question because I, the reason uh, there's a, like one glaringly obvious answer to me and it's the answer I hate the most because I just, I love him so much and I'm so sorry, daddy. <laughs> I'm sorry to my father. You, you, pe you people listening at home don't know who the f I am but and Rob's only referred to me as my um, uh, given name Michael and uh, yeah I'm Vince's son and I'm sorry to say this about my father I and mean, his other son like he's an illegitimate son and it was never gonna have a shot at owning any of the company but it's my dad it's Vince Vince's Vince would be the would be the 
I love Vince McMahon so much, and I want him to go out on top, and I don't want to ever see him leave. I kind of want him to live forever and run the whole thing, and I want him to have another success. I want him to have another uh, WrestleMania or another Hulk Hogan, another, you know, like some big idea, you know, kind of thing where you go, oh, holy f***, Vince still has it. I want that. But they're really, the way he structured his company and his business, it actually is the only answer. I don't think they're, they've made their entire infrastructure sort of built around anybody else could drop dead tomorrow and it kind of wouldn't f matter. Like Vince is literally the only guy. I mean, he's been doing a lot behind the scenes to kind of train Stephanie and Triple H to take over for him in the event that that happens. But... Vince has kind of made it that everybody's expendable but him. He's just surrounded by expendable wrestlers, expendable writers, expendable everything. So, I mean, to, to really affect any fundamental change, we won't see it and it won't happen until Vince uh, steps down or passes. And All right, I who's the like best? vomiting after that answer. That's okay. It's fair. Who's the best to take a bump? Oh, Ricky Steamboat by far. Shawn Michaels was good, but you know who kicked the shit out of him at selling? Brett the f hit my heart my god there aren't like sean was great but there are sean michaels matches that you can like watch and that people point to that where he goes out of his way through his selling to deliberately make his opponents look bad and i'll even say this i'm such a sean fan and i'm fair-minded enough i think some of these examples are overblown but the fact of the matter is at the end of the day there's no not a single f bret hart f match that anybody goes hey look at this Bret Hart match where he went out of his way to use his selling to make somebody look like an asshole and there's about, a ton of them about Wembley what about Wembley against the Bulldog uh, Randy Savage and Ricky Morton would probably finish that Mount Rushmore and I'll say this even too I feel like a bit of a poser with the Ricky Morton because that's not what I grew up with but that's what everybody f tell you know I know I he probably I'll say this I think he probably belongs it deserves to be on there before Sean and I love Sean and Sean would be on my Mount Rushmore of workers. What about Ric Flair? He would not be on. I considered Flair. Flair actually was in the because I kind of put together that top three. I Flair would I, I Flair would be a contender. Like I would not I would not be mad at a Mount Ruth, Rushmore with Flair as a seller. I wouldn't be. Mad, I want to make this clear too. I wouldn't be mad at a Mount Rushmore with Sean as a seller. I just I. I think it's a little silly. I think it's a yeah, just a little, a little ridiculous. And I love Sean, but just give me the, give me a f break. Give me Brett the Hitman Hart. Give me Ricky thing about all day long. Watch those mother. I'll watch what it feels. Ooh, oh, the pain when you take a fake punch or a fake kick or a fake knee to the face. These mother sell it all day long. All right. make you feel it. Last question for you, and I'll ask you both. I'll start with you. Finish up with Dave. Best belt and worst belt. Oh, best belt. Uh, fairly easy. I think Winged Eagle. Winged Eagle heavyweight title. And if not that, the uh, the classic Intercontinental. And that that to me is kind of a uh, kind of coin toss. If anything, I might lean towards the Intercontinental just on the fact that it was like literally brought back because it was such an awesome design and, and, and is arguably, actually I would say barely arguably more iconic than the Winged Eagle, but uh, I would tie between those two, I don't know. Ask me in the morning, it's Winged Eagle. Ask me at night, it's Intercontinental. Worst yeah, belt. One of those Worst two. belt. Worst belt. Any one of the ones they have on any show right now, they all suck. It's all 
Diva, Diva Wing Belt. The Butterfly Belt, maybe, maybe the new winner. Actually, no, the new Intercontinental isn't that bad. Whatever, you know, maybe the like the tag team belts that look like shit, look like pennies. Maybe the in between Intercontinental Belt. You know the one I'm talking about, the I one totally from like do. you know, yeah. All yeah. right, all right, Moffat, finish strong. I'm gonna bring that microphone over to you. Best belt, worst belt. Rob Fair, I'm not gonna waste your time. The Winged Eagle is categorically the best belt of all time. This is not open to question. Obviously, the the IC title back in the day is great, like the, the white one. Okay, let, let's let's not get carried away. Okay, this is not even open to debate. The Winged Eagle is the best title of all time. Okay. Oh, and you want to know what the worst one is? Uh, unequivocally. Oh, it's funny you should ask. Uh, actually. The worst, but we, we didn't get carried away with the whole Divas butterfly. Obviously, that's terrible. But it, it might be the the cheapest looking belt I've seen, and the the those pe- the copper penny tag titles yeah, are yeah. pretty bad. Which are probably not the worst. No, uh, but uh, perhaps the worst is the current twenty four seven title, which looks like something you would buy at Walmart for a cut price of. Ten dollars? I don't even. You're probably overpaying. Okay, okay, this okay, okay. No, I mean, it's a, it's a cheap looking title for a cheap. But looking the concept gimmick. of the twenty four seven belt is pretty. No, cool. okay. Don't get carried away. All right. Anytime, hey. anywhere, a pinfall, and you could be the twenty four seven champ. No, this is a rehash of the twenty four seven hardcore title they used to do in the Attitude Era. You know, you want to talk about the Attitude Era where the hardcore title would be defended like essentially twenty four seven. That was a title that actually mattered. The 24-7 title, when you have R-Truth winning a title like 38 times, I'll tell you right now, that title doesn't mean anything. All right, let me ask you this. and I, 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 Moffitt, Moffitt, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to finish up with Mike, and then we'll be finished here. I'm surprised here. by that answer, by the way. I actually like that title. This even like, oh, just off-record, because I was expecting you. You're going to have a lot. I love it. I was expecting you to name one where it'd be like, oh, that. I like. I don't, I don't hate that. It's a silly title. I'm here. I'm here for the hot takes. Yeah. Well, we're we're lacking. All right. Oh, the final God. one. You guys have both been to WrestleMania before. You've both actually been there for the greatest spectacle in sports entertainment. Give me your best singular memory of any WrestleMania you have ever been to. That one moment where, and it doesn't have to be the actual event. It could be three days before. It could be at Comic Con. It could be WrestleCon. Whatever you want. What's the greatest memory you have? I, I appreciate you giving us the the out of talking about anything other than the actual event itself. But in terms of what I've experienced, like Seth Rollins cashing in his money in the bank and then entering, you know, into the main event, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, was uh, I've never been a part of a stadium that was so electric in that moment like a lot of that is down to the fact that people were down on that being the main event like people were Mike's already talked about Roman Reigns and how he's been not a fan and like obviously Brock is Brock he's like a main event star and but the addition of Seth Rollins in that moment even though people were it was rumored beforehand I think really added something to that main event your main event should matter and in that moment, that main event mattered because Seth Rollins cashed in his, that uh, the money in the bank in that moment. So for me, 
in terms of what I've seen at WrestleMania Live, that was probably the most, the biggest moment I've seen because it felt like it mattered and it felt like it was very much what the fans wanted. And to me, your main event should be what the fans want to see. And that was it. Oh boy, okay. That's, I, that's a tough act to follow, man. Is this okay? Well, do I have time? You, How much time do I got? You got five minutes. Got like, oh, you got five minutes? Okay, I'll try to fit this in. Actually, I'll move this one right out of the way right quick. My favorite memory surrounding a WrestleMania, because that was part of your question, was absolutely being at a live Ray Mysterio podcast and special guest Scott Hall walks into the nightclub. I actually got to too sweet. I actually touched my fingertips to the man himself, like I just did right at this moment, to the actual fingertips of the man. And moments later, after that, that would have been enough right there. I have the man himself, Scott Hall, Razor Ramon, autographing my Intercontinental title belt. That was one of those, I'll never forget that shit, right? In terms of uh, (laughs) that shit, that's good shit, pal. In terms of WrestleMania, listen, how much time do I got? I've been to a few WrestleManias. I've watched all of them. I was at WrestleMania 3. As a small child, I was there live when Randy Savage fought Ricky Steamboat. I was there live when Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant. I went to WrestleMania 6. I was there live when Ultimate Warrior fought Hulk Hogan, which was a pretty big deal to me at the time and still is now, to be honest with you. WrestleMania 19 was quite the shebang. It was quite the shebang that night. And then after the fact, it's like, that was Stone Cold Steve Austin's last match ever. It's like, I'm there 10 feet away from Rockin' Austin with some of my best mates ever. Like, that uh, That was an all-timer night. Um, only dragged down by personal circumstances that I'm not going to get into. But that, was, that otherwise would have been, like, the greatest night of my life, right? But you know, i got to ask what those circumstances but no, were. But no, uh, uh, look... Absolutely. Like, uh, the point of all this rambling is I want to paint the picture that I've experienced a lot of great WrestleMania moments uh, in person and watching and everything like that. Nothing will ever, ever in my life top the feeling of being in San Jose with you lot, all of us, the whole gang, WrestleMania 31, being that close, this whole posse we were there with, that was... My favorite that transcends even my favorite uh, live wrestling event moment ever. That was probably my favorite weekend of my life. Maybe not related. Uh, that would be a whole other uh, podcast and conversation to list. But like, just but we're you know, good for that podcast, right? When the time yeah, is right, we'll do that one. Non-orgasm related. I mean, that was a great. Like, I love. I that was that was just the greatest. That was. Do you that, know like, what my favorite part of that WrestleMania was? When we all checked out from the motel, and there was the mask, the square. Ah, mask that yeah, still floating in that the pool. Photo. That's what you. You know what's funny? You know what my that. You know what? Maybe my two favorite photos of that whole weekend are, and neither one of them have anything to do with me. Is that box? in the pool picture and there's a picture of you and you'll know that like this was your facebook profile for a while my is the you with the sunglasses with the reflection of what was like when i think of wrestlemania 31 that's like the first image you're you're the picture of you in that in the sun like i just i love that picture so much like that's what i think of and the box the whole thing the whole weekend all of us the grouping just the the whole 
I know that was my favorite. Um, it's one of those that almost, in a way, like it kind of. I left there being like, oh man, I'm gonna go to WrestleMania like every year, and I, I I always saved up money and always planned to, and then I would realize with each success of WrestleMania, if I'm not going with like these same people, do I care? It's like that was such such a high peak. It's like I would only want to do that. It's not about the just just being there. I want to be there with these people. I and can I vouch for that. This, so uh, I went to Orlando to the WrestleMania the following year. I for, or it was in Texas the next year. You went to the Texas uh, one, or did you skip that? When was Orlando? Was it two years or one year after? I can't remember. But anyhow, long sure, story. Yeah, yeah. I went. I w the next time. Let me rephrase it. The, the one next where time, fucking Undertaker fake retired yes. in that horrible Roman Reigns yes. fucking bullshit So match? that okay. was my last one. And I will say, as much fun as I had, it wasn't the same because I wasn't with my crew. Yeah, right. It counts. I bet. It, it does count. It's yeah. It's kind. Of, it's the thing. It's what you're. You know, your insight yeah. and Dave's insight is second to none. We just logged a half hour. You can download it on wherever you get your podcasts. That is all oh, your Mastray. favorite podcasts. You know, podcast, <laughs> podcast, but <laughs> podcast, <laughs> podcast. Oh, go to podcast. Dot com. That's where I get all my favorite podcasts from. Um, you know, and have a good night, Fay Nation. You know, and uh, you know, two words for you: zog it. Or you can go to iTunes. Those are my guys, and I wouldn't have it any other way. You know what? I. That's what we do when we hang out together. That's what we talk about. We laugh. We have a couple of beers. And that is what Sports Bar Radio is as well. So <laughs> if you're still with me, if you're still listening this deep into the conversation, thank you so much for making me a part of your afternoon. And also hit me up on Twitter at Rob Fay, R-O-B-F is in Frank A-I, and let me know what you thought of this interview and let me know what you're thinking of this show these days. All right, let's wrap it up. My thanks to Jay Swing once again and to everybody over at Equity Guru, to Chris Perry, you continue to build yourself a monster, to J.P. Chung, to Galen, and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. I'm Rob Fay. I can't wait to do this all over one more time tomorrow as we wrap up your work week. Oh, we got a lot to talk about, don't we? We'll talk about the Olympic Games. We're going to be talking about Major League Baseball. UFC's got a couple of announcements, and the NHL has a lot of things on their plate as well, from trades to movement. The newest team is official. The Seattle Kraken down the interstate are getting busy as well. So join me, won't you? Right around lunchtime, Sports Bar Radio, presented to you by Equity Guru. I am Rob Fay. I'll see you tomorrow. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.